I like NXT. I really do. You guys know that. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't like NXT. I even liked this week's episode of NXT. But Jesus goddamn Christ, hate me if you want, but if you didn't know that it was February, watch this episode of NXT. Let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your February 5th NXT review. And we're going to get into a lot, a lot of things before we get into this week's review. It's going to be a long one. So sit back, get your drink, as I wave my big-ass iced tea around, for those of you that are listening in audio form. I'm not even going to get into it. If you're listening to this in an audio form, find me on YouTube, Spaz Phoenix. If you're listening to, watching this on YouTube and you want to find me on a podcast platform, go to whatever goddamn platform you want to go to. Search Spaz Phoenix Podcast. It is what it is. Uh, much, 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 huge, large chance that there will be no Friday content this week because the people that I'm working with on various stuff are going to lead to it being the following week and the following week. Uh, unless anything changes, unless by chance we get more information about uh, my upcoming Destiny show and I just pop up here and do a solo vid, uh, there probably won't be any Friday content this week. <coughs> so that is the... Uh, that's the programming note, and why is this why is this review going to be so long? Because we can't even talk about this week's NXT without talking about this week's Raw, and Raw gave a pretty good platform, I'm going to say, to some NXT stars, um, more to the point, Angel Garza and Rhea Ripley. Now, Angel Garza sort of got dragged into this Andrade situation. Now, I'm not going to get into it. I like Andrade, so I'm not going to drag him through the mud for this apparent... You know, in kayfabe, it's an injury out of kayfabe. He's got a suspension for 30 days. He broke the wellness policy, and they won't tell us what it is. And it's it's a steroid, but it's not really a steroid. And it could be a growth hormone, but it's not really a growth hormone thing. So, speculation ran wild as to, well, what are they going to do with this act? Because they decidedly did not take the United States Championship off Andrade because they know people are really struggling to give a crap about Umberto. Umberto is good. Don't get me wrong, but what do you do with this feud, because you can't give him the belt yet, we haven't gotten there, we haven't, Andrade hasn't had a chance to be enough of a dick that people care about a Humberto win yet, but you got to keep the story going, do we just have Zelina Vega come out there and taunt him for a couple weeks, no, you have her come out, and the idea was that she was just going to go around the back and find whoever she could to beat the fuck out of Humberto week after week after week, but they didn't do that, instead, they brought out Angel Garza, former NXT Cruiserweight Champion Angel Garza after losing it at uh, at Worlds Collide. Sorry, my voice is kind of shot, so the fact that this is going to be a really long pod uh, is probably not in my best interest, to be fair, and it's probably a good thing that I'm not doing any Friday content this week. Um, but it's cool. Uh, he didn't get the best reaction when he first came out because a lot of the mainstream, uh, specifically Raw SmackDown audience, didn't didn't really know what to, what to think of him. But Zelina put him over. He, um, they reminded us that him and Umberto are cousins, uh, Zelina bigged him up on the way to the ring like she does for Andrade, uh, they gave him some decent promo time on the mic too for him and Umberto, and I will say, there's a take out there online that's like, well, you know, it's really, really, you know, problematic, because that's some people's favorite word, to be, to be wanting somebody when they speak another language. Now, first of all, they wanted Angel Garza when he was speaking English, 
because he's the heel. When Umberto Carrillo, who, I mean, I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly, but whatever, when he was returning the favor, cutting his own promo, not in English, he didn't get wooded because he's the babyface. That's how it works. I'm sorry. Go talk to a Lacey Evans or a Baron Corbin about what it's like to be wooded because that's just what happens and you're all being a little sense. I know, especially down in the States, it's a big sensitive week this week. I get it. But we don't need to bring that into our, our wrestling and we're going to talk about Twitter in a second as well. It's going to be good. But, um, yeah, where, 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 was, where was I going with that? Yeah, he got some decent promo time in his own right. He's not super great on the mic, but they, the fact that they gave him a little bit of promo time, along with somebody like Zelina Vega, shows, shows something, shows that they see something in him, being that this was his debut on Raw. They had a half-decent, it wasn't even a match, it was a little bit of a beatdown. He hits the wing clipper on Umberto Carrillo. The, the wing clipper is a fun little move, isn't it? He goes, and he's going to do, he's there as, like, Andrade's surrogate, so, of course, he's going to do what Andrade's been doing and do the whole hammerlock DDT thing on the concrete floor, and that is saved by Mysterio. Now, Mysterio and Angel Garza have a match, and it's a really good match. Rey Mysterio did everything he could in this match to make Angel Garza look even better than he already does. Match ends in a, D in a DQ after they brawl to the outside, and he hits the Hammerlock DDT on the concrete on Rey Mysterio. So not a bad outing uh, representing NXT on, on Monday Night Raw for Angel Garza. Now, they did all the way through this match, they did keep referring to him as NXT's Angel Garza. So that, I think that quelled anybody's nerves about this being an impromptu call-up. Because there's a lot more for Angel Garza to do on NXT. Even if they want to float him back between the two NXTs, he could do some fun stuff. I mean, the Cruiserweight title exists on both NXTs now, with it being on Jordan Devlin. Which we're going to talk about later on. But there's a lot more he can do in the NXT sphere before we think about actually bringing him to Raw or SmackDown. I don't want to say up to Raw or SmackDown, because there is no up, because NXT is the third brand. Now, you can come up from NXT UK to NXT main roster. That's a different conversation altogether, but he's not in UK, so that's really irrelevant. Who else showed up on Raw? Rhea Ripley showed up on Raw, because Charlotte Flair came out, and she won the Rumble, and she teased revealing who she was going to face last week, and then didn't do it, and then she came out this week doing it again, and NXT, or WWE, rather, for all we want to say they don't listen, they do listen in the sense that they do know exactly what we want. They don't give it to us, but they are very, very, very aware of what we want, because she's cutting this promo, and it's a leading promo. She had... And I know people don't want to give Charlotte Flair credit for this, but she had the crowd in the palm of her hand because she went on about how she's been the SmackDown champion, been there, done that. She's been the Raw champion, been there, done that. She's beaten Becky, been there, done that. She's beaten Bailey, been there, done that, which opens it up to the crowd chanting Rhea Ripley. And she, she acknowledges it by being really, really, really condescending to the NXT chants, to the NXT you know, recognition coming from the crowd. He says, yes, 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 your queen still appreciates NXT, and I know NXT still appreciates your queen. Enter Rhea Ripley, seeing me pop my tits off, which is awesome. I hate that expression, but it kind of works in this. Um, loud, loud, loud NXT chance. You know, basically Ripley comes out, cuts a promo. I don't, they made her look like an alien. I don't like it. They did the eye thing. 
they they did weird eye things with with uh, Ronda Rousey. Now they're doing it with Rhea Ripley. It might be the double R thing. Next thing you know, Roman Reigns comes out with really bad eye makeup because he goes through a goth phase. It's fine. We don't want to see it, but it's fine. But she comes out, and it is. I've heard people talking about it being a more WWE promo, and it was. But she basically she says the Rumble means you can have a shot at any title. Two ways they could have gone with this, NXT Women's title, or they could weirdly translate it into a tag team title run with somebody. Really glad they didn't do that. But uh, she says, yeah, you've beaten Becky, you've beaten Bailey, you've held this title, you've held that title, but you've, you haven't beaten me. In fact, I've beaten you, so if you've got it in you, challenge me at WrestleMania, Charlotte walks away. And then later on in the night, slash later on online, it's announced that she's going to be at NXT this coming Wednesday. Now... A lot of people, mostly AEW fans, immediately came out of the woodwork and said, "Well, this is pathetic. This is sad. This is this is such a blatant attempt for for people to, you know, to divert people's attention from AEW to NXT." So, a competing brand tried to get the fans' attention by putting something on their show that the fans would want to watch. That's how it works. That's how it works. Do you remember when we had that, that episode of NXT towards the end of last year, and it was Finn Balor versus Adam Cole for the title, and it was Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler, the culmination of that feud, uh, for that title. And everybody, everybody and their mother, people that just shit on WWE for the fun of it, and AEW loyals specifically were saying, well, they're only putting that stuff on the show so you'll watch it. Yeah, that's how it works. But, um... Yeah, so Angel Garza uh, being involved in this, there's 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 a thought out there that they're um, they're doing this sort of little like shared universe uh, Latino heritage um, section of Monday Night Raw. They're bringing in Andrade. They've got Umberto Carrillo. Now they've got Angel Garza, Rey Mysterio, and. They're bringing up everybody, everybody's lineage, everybody's family backgrounds, and all that sort of thing. And they're trying to, they're, they've got this little sect of a storyline that's existing on an island by itself. And if they, if they expand upon that, it could be really, really fun. I just don't want to see, okay, randomly Lucha House Party squash matches because how it's not a very large community or culture that's represented in WWE that much so there's only so far they can go with it but if they if they muddle around these four stars and angel and the nxt keeps loaning them angel garza then you could when we get to wrestlemania season have a really really intriguing fatal four-way match for wrestlemania for the u.s title that could be really good and rhea ripley like i say she's bringing charlotte flair to nxt to the nxt championship and to this show tonight because it's a it's a ploy and we're we're gonna get you to watch nxt by putting something on that you want to see now i'm gonna switch gears a little bit i'm gonna go to you guys you guys know how excited i was to announce the shotzi blackheart was coming to nxt because that was somebody i knew before nxt i i finally got to do the thing that i made fun of all the other indie fans for doing and now i'm a hypocrite go me so I'm reaching back out to you now, because we've got two announcements on, what was it, WWE Backstage, two signings for NXT, and this is where I turn back to you and say, tell me who these people are, tell me why I should be excited about them. One of them is Killer Cross, who I know has been in Impact, I haven't really seen much, I don't know what to expect, he looks like a big dude that's going to go come to NXT and do big dude things, that's about it, and Tim Thatcher... The only thing I know about Tim Thatcher 
from listening to What Culture is that he was in a faction with Walter and Marcel Barthel at some point called Ring Kampf. If that's true, let me know. If it's not true, tell me what I need to know about this guy. Tell me what I need to know about Killer Cross. Let it all out in the comment section below, or if you're watching this live on Thursdays, do it in the chat. If you're listening to this for the first time, I will say, along with all my typical plugs at the beginning that I sort of decided to skip, uh, come back. This time, every Thursday, 7 p.m. my time. I live near Toronto. You can figure out the time zones and all that sort of thing. We do the NXT review, or the live premiere of the NXT review every Thursday evening. I'd love to see you in the chat. I'm there. We have a good time. We got people like Bullfrog and Shell, and sometimes Jake DeMarco, and sometimes... Uh, and Tim, and I'm, I'm forgetting a bunch of names. The girls from the Pinups and Pinfalls podcast are in the chat sometimes. Uh, it's just a good time. Uh, obviously, catch the replay. Catch it when it goes to audio, as I said before. But if you are around for the live premiere, it, it's a lot of fun. I like doing it, and it's how I do 90% of my content on here. Thursdays and Fridays, we go live at 7, and we, we chat it up, and we chop up what's going on, and all that sort of thing. Now, as I said... For our friends down in America, I'm not a political person. I'm not going to get into it. I watched the State of the Union for morbid curiosity other than anything else. And I don't know, as somebody that doesn't know a whole lot about politics, not enough to debate it, surely. Um, it was an interesting little thing. And, you know, Trump is what he is. And that's not why I'm bringing this up. Why I am bringing this up is Ohio Congressman Tim Ryan went to Twitter, because he apparently left in the middle of the State of the Union address and went on Twitter, and I'm just going to quote what he said here, because it might be taken down by now. It says, I just walked out of the hashtag State of the Union. I've had enough. It's just like watching professional wrestling. It's all fake. End quote. So wrestling community, do what you do. Go get them. <laughs> That's it. That's all I've got. Now... We can get into the actual show. NXT for February 5th. I underscore February. And if you can't figure it out by now, I'm not going to help you out. I'm not going to hold your hand along the way. We get a rundown of last week like we always do. We get the Bruiserweights winning their thing. And we see the Keith Lee and... and or sorry, the Dominic Dijakovic and Damian Priest both want to face Keith Lee for the title. And... Uh, We'll get to that later. I don't like that either. But we start off with the Broserweights, and the Broserweights are extra as fuck. Last week, we had Shotzi Blackheart and her tank. This week, we had the Broserweight Mobile, which is a really big, souped-up golf cart that they entered in the side of the arena with. It's got lights all over it. It's got the the Dusty Cup trophy on it. It's all good, and they're they're all dressed up. They're, you know... They're all in black, you know, dress shirts, dress pants, whatever. But Matt Riddle still does the flip-flop thing because reasons. To see him sort of sat on top of this of this uh, golf cart thing and being all extravagant and whatever, and Pete Dunne just sitting in the passenger seat looking very much like Pete Dunne. They come into the ring. They've got the pyro. They've got, they've got the little... Um, if you saw last week, they don't do pyro in uh, in full sail because obviously it's a very small place. I'm sure there are a hundred regulations that say why they can't have pyro. But they brought these two little cubes in to stand behind the Broserweights when they won last week to have a little bit of pyro going up next to them. Those two blocks were on the back of this golf cart. So they the whole show itself doesn't have pyro, but the Broserweights have pyro. And that's cool. The Broserweights of the Dusty, Cla uh, Dusty Classic Champions, says Matt Riddle. Tonight, the celebration continues. Look, we got the cart, we got the pyro, we got the trophy, it's all good. 
and Pete Dunne in the in the accent that he's got and the much more morose tone was the last thing I ever thought I'd do was get into another tag team after what happened last time and here I am and we've won and at Portland we're going to become the new tag team champions now there is there's a couple of different stories going into that tag team time I'm going to get into it next week I'm going to be doing a preview for TakeOver Portland hopefully with Jake DeMarco if our schedules line up but we'll see how that goes but there's a couple of interesting stories uh, in the background of this tag team title match and I don't think NXT is quite exposing all of them a lot of them are coincidence probably but um, it's really good. Undisputed Era come out. It's just Fish and O'Reilly. He says, you're not a real team. You're disrespecting that Dusty Cup. And we'd fight you tonight, but our card is in the way and we can't get to the ring. And we've got bigger fish to fry tonight. That made me laugh. And it also made Matt Riddle laugh. Matt Riddle in the ring. <laughs> Bobby Fish just said fish. And then he goes on to this big thing about how much fish could Bobby Fish fry if Bobby Fish could fry fish. And she, he just kept doing it. He just kept doing it. He just kept doing it. And you see Pete Dunne trying not to crack up because they're trying to do this, you know, the hype guy and the straight guy thing between the two of them. The crowd is loving it and whatever, whatever. And then he just stops. He looks at his partner and he says, I guess it's a thing now. And, uh, yeah, and Dunne said, well, you know, that might be a thing. But what is also a thing is we're going to smoke them at TakeOver Portland and become the new NXT Tag Team Champions, which is all good. We go from that. I thought it was going to end up in a brawl. My camera's doing a thing. You're going to have to wait on a second. None of my technology likes me tonight. We go on to the first match of the night, which is Angel Garza versus Isaiah Swerve Scott. Now, there's a cool story here, too, if you go back to Worlds Collide. Angel Garza never lost his title. He lost his title because Isaiah Swerve Scott was pinned. Commentary goes out of their way to talk about how much Angel Garza has wanted to be the Cruiserweight Champion. Now, I haven't heard anything about him wanting to be the Cruiserweight Champion until he was randomly inserted into that match. But there's a series of avoided strikes by both men switching to chain wrestling and body shots by Garza. A second rope runner by Swerve, a low dropkick. Garza super kicks Swerve while he's in a mid-handstand. Swerve tries to handstand over the ropes to the apron to do something. While he's upside down, he eats a super kick to the face, unprotected by Garza, which takes him from the apron to the floor. The timing involved in this... Now, you remember Adam Cole and Ricochet when they had their match at takeover I don't remember which one it was and I'm not going to lie when he went to do the uh, when he went to do the handstand in the ring and he just or maybe it was a springboard moonsault something like that but something where he was upside down and Adam Cole caught him with the perfect uh, with the perfect super kick this was that except it was doing it over the ropes it was doing it on the apron where you've got like this much room for error and it was a really really nice shot uh trio row running uh running knee strike by garza followed by a seated abdominal stretch and some body shots a takedown and a cross arm breaker by swerve both men trade punches and elbow shots and palm strikes on the apron chops in the corner by garza tilt a whirl face buster by garza now um tilt a whirl uh face buster by garza looked like one half of that move that uh, the Grizzled Young Veterans do that I can't think of the name of off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, where he sort of flips them up and it goes sort of into a code breaker. It looked like that without a partner to catch the guy's face. It just went right down into the thing. And then we have Angel Garza takes off his pants for reasons. They didn't celebrate that properly on Raw either. Falls it with a super kick. Back suplex by Swerve and a flatliner and some Daniel Bryan silly kicks by Swerve. A step up in Seguri by Swerve and a super kick by Garza. Both men trade some chops and a headbutt by Garza. Inverted powerbomb off the top rope thing by Swerve. He sort of got him by the legs. 
He's got Garza up on the up on the turnbuckle. He goes to grab his legs, but instead of pulling him off, he sort of pulls him off into a cartwheel and drops him into what I would call a power bomb. Except he was sitting in the opposite direction. You guys know me when I'm trying to explain stuff. I don't know how. To, I don't know how to explain it other than to say that it was an inverted power bomb thing off the top. Roundhouse kick by Garza, and then Swerve goes to the top rope to do a drop kick, and Garza throws his pants at him. Why the hell not? They scuffle around a little bit more. Eventually. Garza, because he's the star that's on the rise, no offense to Isaiah Swerve Scott, he gets the wing clipper, which is an absolutely amazing, I love the wing clipper, I really do, I think it's a really fun move, anyway, he gets the win, Swerve takes the L, which is unfortunate, he'll get his due later on down the line, I'm sure, somewhere later on down the line, I said Swerve is going to fill, or sorry, fit into that North American Championship, um, Situation. I had suggested last week that if you make Damian Priest the next uh, contender, and he's the one that eventually takes it off Lee, you could then feud Damian Priest with uh, with Swerve Scott. It'd be good. Anyways, Garza grabs the microphone. He says, "I just beat Swerve on Monday. I took out Umberto Carrillo and Rey Mysterio, and I never lost my title. And Devlin's here tonight, and I'll be watching." He didn't say it like that, I'm just being obnoxious. But he did basically say that because it was advertised earlier in the week that Jordan Devlin, the new NXT Cruiserweight Champion with that new gorgeous black belt, because it's February, will be here later on tonight. Um, Undisputed Era beat up folks in the back looking for Ciampa, and then they come across some dude that's getting a haircut, looked like a kid. I don't know why somebody at the backstage of a wrestling show, especially a kid, is getting a haircut. Roderick Strong takes the clippers, the buzzers rather, I should say, and just gives him one little swipe over with a thing and buzz cut. I know what a buzz cut is like, so it's good for me, not so much for that kid, because that kid had hair like sticking up to here. It's fine. We see a video package on Mercedes Martinez, and they tell us randomly that Sergeant Slaughter is in the crowd tonight, which is nice. I don't know what to say here. I really don't, because I don't want to be mad. It's NXT. I like NXT. We see some footage from the PC with uh, Dominic Dijakovic talking about why he deserves another shot at Keith Lee. Now that Keith Lee's a champion, he should be in the title picture because he and Keith Lee fought a lot. Uh, at the very end of that interview, he's confronted by Killian Dane, where basically both of them say to the other one, hey, you're in my way. Uh, so we got Dijak versus Dane, and I just... I'm getting tired of finding new ways to say that I don't care about Dominic Dijakovic or Donovan Dijak or whatever you want to call him. I really am. And I'm not going to, and it, it's sort of like the Bianca Belair thing where it's like, please, you know, please understand that I, that I get that he's a great athlete and I get that he's, he's serviceable in, I, he is great in the ring. The things he pulls off in the ring are fantastic, but that has to come with me caring about you. And I don't and it's unfortunate that I don't because I do want to acknowledge the fact that he's a great athlete and what what he can do is great what he can do for his size is great I, again it's a mimic of the Bianca Belair situation and trust me we're gonna get to that later on as well um, but yeah I'm because I have to hear it so much on Twitter I'm so done with the the fact that I don't like this person doesn't mean I don't respect them Shtick. So I'm going to stop sticking that in my videos very soon. But yeah, Dijak versus Dane. Dane hasn't been seen since his failing sort of three-way feud with Dunn and Priest a while ago. So I want to see him. I want to see him get heated back up because I actually like him. 
Corner I can speak, I swear. Corner Tackle by Dane is starting forearm shot by Dijak. Hard Eyes Whip by Dijak and Hangman by Dane. Bear Hug by Dane, tossing Dijak out of the ring. Cannonball by Dijak and a divide by Dane in the middle of the ring. To which Mauro Ronaldo on commentary says, There's Killian Dane trying to divide and conquer. As we go to commercial break, I like Mauro Ronaldo, but sometimes... Series of strikes by Dijak, followed by a choke bomb. Superplex by Dane. Moonsault by Dijak that misses. Shotgun dropkick by Dane. The, uh, the whole fact, and I said this about Dave Mastiff over on NXT UK, the fact that a guy that size can hit a shotgun dropkick followed by a Sinton the way he does is terrifying. It's terrifying, but it's also totally undersold because Dijak got a Dijak, hits the feast your eyes out of nowhere and gets the win. Something gets whispered to Mauro Ronaldo on commentary, and he hurriedly makes the announcement that, yes, Dijak is the number one contender, and yes, Dominic Dijakovic is going to face Keith Lee at TakeOver Portland for the NXT North American Championship. Now, what does that say? What does that say? The last time these two were involved in the North American Championship, it took the champion, Roderick Strong, being the third guy in the match, to make me give a shit. So now these guys are going to fight over the title again. It's a match we've seen a bunch of times. It's a match I don't need to see again. It's a match I don't need to see at TakeOver. And we killed Priest and Dane in the process to get there. I love NXT, but fuck this. I really do... Ugh. It sucks, because I really want to see Keith Lee go on and do something else. And I really would have... I mean, Priest would have been good, but as soon as the rumors... We're kicking around that uh, Dijak and Dane had had an interaction and that it was going to factor into this week's show. I really, really started picturing what a title match between Killian Dane and Keith Lee would look like. And it was good. I wouldn't even need Killian Dane necessarily to win. Keith Lee just got that title at the end of, uh, what was it, the end of December, beginning of January, something like that. Keith Lee doesn't need to lose that belt yet. I'm not looking for somebody to quickly go and take that belt off Keith Lee because Keith Lee is awesome. But I do not give a single rat fuck about Dijak, and it cannot be Dijak, and it can't be Dijak this soon. And if it was Dijak, then I would go back and say Dane needs to go take it off him, like, the next night. Don't even care. This, I like NXT, this was a shit move right here. In the back, Undisputed Era are still looking for Ciampa. They beat up Kushida, and then Bronson Reed tries to stick up for him, and they beat up him too, which is nice. And then we got the the pre-match interview with Balor and Gargano leading to their match at Portland, which is going to be awesome. But they did that weird, like the announcer is in the arena and these guys are in two separate places backstage and you have the split screen interview that doesn't really turn into a split screen interview. It just sort of turned into a weird Skype call between Balor and Gargano. And these guys were trying. These guys were throwing some 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 heavy verbal barbs at each other. But you cannot get over the fact that it was it's awkward. And it just looks like people bickering over Skype. It really does. Gargano takes a lot of digs at Balor's run on Raw. How about you go back to Raw and lose to Bobby Lashley a couple more times? I really did like that. They argue some more. Uh, he says he's going to put a stake right through Balor's heart. Balor ends the segment by saying he doesn't have a heart, which is nice. Mercedes Martinez is coming out, which is awesome. Good to see her back in NXT. And who else is back in NXT? We got Casey Catanzaro. 
So I, I took a look at Casey Catanzaro, I took a look at Mercedes Martinez, and I like Casey Catanzaro. So I was like, hey! And then I went, oh, she's going to die. I, I'm not even going to say anything about... Th this was a, a... There was a lot of hope spots in there for Casey Catanzaro because she's a tiny person and and she's um she's an <laughs> legitimately amazing not just for the whole like um was it like it's her vert it's a slightly different version of parkour that she does where she climbs the ropes and she's able to do the american ninja warrior shit i really like her shtick it gave a couple cool hope spots in here I, i'd like to think mercedes mercedes martinez would like to give somebody like casey catanzaro a big uh a big win, but she's come back herself, so it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. She died. Uh, eventually, Mer Mercedes Martinez takes her out to the outside, takes her out to the outside with one forearm, and then throws her into the post head first, and then throws her into the apron head first, and then throws her into the rail a bunch, and then throws her back in the ring just to hit the fisherman buster. The size discrepancy between these two women was absolutely insane. It looked like child abuse. I'm just saying. What I will say, though, is we know because we know their friends backstage. I would like to see the friendship between Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter become a legitimate tag team in NXT. Because not that they would win, I don't think, but them versus the Kabuki Warriors at some point could be fun. Asuka's going on a singles run. She's attempting to do something with Becky Lynch, so maybe they're seeing her as a singles person again. So if they need to drop the titles, give it to some NXT stars for a little while. NXT can have all the belts. They can have the women's tag, the men's tag, the cruiser, the North American, um, I mean, they have the UK champion there sometimes, and then they have their main title. I will say, and I'm going to try and say this with as little arrogance as possible, after one week, they gave up on calling the NXT women's title just the NXT title, because they probably realized how retarded that is. Oh yes. We get confirmed what was confirmed earlier in the week, that we are going to get Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai in a street fight at Portland. That's going to be a lot of fun. It sort of justifies the crap send-off match they had last week, which is good. Ciampa sneaks up on the Undisputed Era in the back. She takes them out all four again. Ciampa and Cole brawl towards the ring, brawl towards the ringside area, brawl towards the commentators. There's a four-on-one beatdown in the ring, and the save is made by Dunn and Riddle because they also have matches with the Undisputed Era at TakeOver Portland, which is good. All seven men brawl. Michael Sidgwick of What Culture is going to complain that there was another brawl on NXT, which is fine. Regal comes out, says, "If you want, to, if you guys want to solve this tonight, we're going to have a match later on tonight." And he doesn't get into any more specifics, but the brawl continues anyway. So that didn't really serve a purpose, did it? <coughs> Excuse me. It's probably riveting audio as I stop to take. A drink because my voice is shot. Jordan Devlin debuting in full sale as the NXT Cruiserweight Champion, def er, not defending because it's a non-title match, versus Tyler Breeze. And I know Tyler Breeze isn't the focus of this match. I know the focus is let's give some spotlight to our brand new champion. But how do we manage every week, week, day by day, week by week, month by month, and now year by year, how do we manage to just forget how good Tyler Breeze is? The first time around, and this is a dated reference now, the first time around for Tyler Breeze in NXT, I was to the point where I was calling him the Dolph Ziggler of NXT. Now, that meant something a little different, 
way back then. But it was basically like if you got somebody new debuting, if you got somebody who's not quite getting over, if you got somebody that you just want to have a really good showcase for, put them in the ring with Tyler Breeze. I think the, the one of the best examples was when they had a one-night appearance at that one takeover with Jushin Thunder Liger, and they just threw him in there with Tyler Breeze for reasons, and it's good. You've got other people like that. You've got, like, the Sami Zayn's and the Cesaro's and the, you know, back in the day, the, you know, the Shawn Michaels's and all that sort of thing. Uh, even The Miz, to a certain degree, now. John Morrison, now that he's back, he's another guy. But... We constantly manage to forget, because he's gone and he's done stuff like the fashion police and the fashion files, and he's done all the all the gimmicky stuff with Fandango and the tag team and all, we manage to constantly forget how good Tyler Breeze really is. And then you get a match like tonight, where he shakes off a little bit of the silly, and you get a really aggressive stink out of Tyler Breeze tonight in this match. He wasn't... He didn't go heel by any stretch of the imagination, but he did bring out a little bit more of like, yeah, you're not going to fuck with me in this match, which was good. Um, this was literally cut and paste from what uh, Finn Balor did to do, uh, who did he face last week? Trent Seven. When Trent Seven went to roll in the ring like he typically does, he drop kicked him off the apron. Basically did the same thing here. Tyler Breeze did the whole like selfie stick pose that he does. I don't know why I'm leaning like this. You know what the pose looks like. But uh, the pose he does on the ring apron when he's doing the selfie thing. Except he didn't have the phone with him. So that was weird. But he was doing that. He got dropped out to the outside. And they have a short little brawl on the outside as we go to the commercial break. Mudhole stomps in the ring by Devlin, uh, body shots in the corner, series of super kicks by Breeze, snake eyes, a snapmare, and a neck vice by Devlin, uh, elbow drops, here, here we go, and here we go on this long stint of, like, Tyler Breeze actually thinking he might, or portraying himself like he might be a little bit of a devious character, working on the legs of Devlin, because he elbow drops the knee, elbow drops the leg, wraps the knee around the post, and the crowd is with him in this, like, less-than-babyface behavior, because he wraps the knee around the post like we do, like Bret Hart used to do back in the day when he was setting up for the ring post figure four, which was which was cool, but at the same time, historically, not the best move ever, because you can only keep it on for five seconds. Uh, but the crowd cheers him on, they do give him the whole one more time. Uh, and he does it again. Gets him back in the ring, kicks down on his leg some more while he's got him in the corner. Mud he's got him in the mud hole stomp position, but he's not stomping him in the in the midsection, the chest, uh, belly, etc. He is stomping that leg, and then he does that weird thing that a lot of wrestlers, that a lot of submission wrestlers do, where they sort of hook your leg backwards. I don't know why I move when I'm trying to explain things to you guys, because first of all, you can only see my head, you don't know what my leg is doing. Second of all, it doesn't do any good anyway. But where they hang the foot on the rope, and then they do a knee drop to the soft inner part of the of the knee. He did that a couple of times, which is good. Uh, Devlin does fight back with an upward mule kick and an elevation backbreaker. Insane chops and a drop kick by Breeze, a leg drop. Snapmare by... Eh, lost my place because my writing is absolutely terrible. Snapmare by Breeze, elbows to the back of the neck and the shoulder, which is, again, you know, you go for those soft spots, and again, I'm trying to do visual things that don't work. Um, that soft spot where your neck kind of meets your shoulder, and we all know what it's like to get hit there. There's nothing to protect you there. It's good. Uh, tower backdrop suplex by Breeze, a penalty kick by Devlin. Inside out moonsault by Devlin to the floor was really, really nice. I'm not going to lie. Both men trade some strikes. as a Uranagi and a moonsault by Devlin as we go to another commercial break. Now, the thing is, cruiserweight matches are fast-paced by nature, so the whole match feels like it's fast. Now, if you have a cruiserweight match that has essentially been broken up into three segments, it makes you feel like you've been in a long, exciting match 
longer. That didn't make sense. But um, with this match, and, I, and people may not agree with me, this is just my take now, the way this match was going and the way both of these guys were building, not entirely relying on like Young Buck-esque uh, acrobatic stuff, but like the, some of the acrobatic stuff combined with the with the hard-hitting stuff, combined with the psychology, combined with the, okay, we might be leading to a submission. Um, both commercial breaks sort of left you wanting to catch your breath, even though you knew the match was continuing, and even though in one of the commercial breaks they did the pitcher-in-pitcher, pitcher, so you were sort of aware that stuff was still happening. As the audience, you want to catch your breath, and it makes you feel more for the guys in the ring, if that makes sense. Uh, coming back from the second commercial break, Devlin traps the arm, and he, uh, I cannot read my writing again. I'm terrible, and I'm tired. And we are already 20 minutes in, so I should not be terrible and tired. Devlin traps the arm and manages to stand on the face and chest of Breeze simultaneously, which just, A, it's got the disrespect, B, it's got the pain, C, it's got the, um, the impairment to his breathing. It's doing a lot of things just by standing there. Back body drop by Breeze, a top rope cross body by Devlin, a standing Spanish fly by Devlin, which again, like the moonsault, was pretty fucking gorgeous. Single leg crab by Breeze, and they make a point to tell us that Breeze was trained by Lance Storm, and that was a shout out to Lance Storm, which was a nice little touch on commentary. Supermodel kick by Breeze that could have ended the match. Because it was a, no, uh, a non-title match, and because... In my head, I'm running towards what's the match going to be at TakeOver Portland. You've got Leo Rush waiting for it in the background. You've got Swerve, who they've said tonight is going back for it. You've got Garza, who said tonight he wants another shot. And you've got Breeze in here. I'm running through the Rolodex of who's he going to face at Portland. It's going to be a first opponent. He's going to win, but they need to put on a good match. They could conceivably have... Tyler Breeze win this as a fluke, get himself a shot, go to Portland, and put over Devlin like a million dollars as that new champion. They didn't do that, though. Slingshot cutter by Devlin, some body shots, a headbutt, and the Devlin side suplex. That twisting backside suplex that he does, the Devlin side, is a really... It's unexpected how effective it looks every time, because it, it sort of looks like he's just tossing somebody until he comes all the way down. I really, I really do like it. Then, we get the women's segment, because we, we knew two different things coming in here tonight. Charlotte was coming to NXT to answer Rhea Ripley's challenge. Spoiler alert, she doesn't. Uh, and because of Portland coming up mo sooner than WrestleMania, more sooner, that's the kind of English I'm using right now because I'm tired, um, because Belair and Ripley has to take place before then, they have to go face-to-face -face again tonight. Bianca Belair comes out first, and I'm just going to say something, right? I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to dwell on it because there's no way I can dwell on it without somebody calling me an asshole. And my head is in my hands for people that are listening in the audio form. She comes out first. She gets to start this segment. And she comes out in a t-shirt that says melanin. It's February, guys. Do you get it yet? Oh my Christ, fuck off with all that shit. She says, I'll be the new champ in Portland. Uh, Ripley seems to have forgotten about me. She's already going on and talking to Charlotte about WrestleMania. So, poor little third wheel feels left out. Roddy, roddy, ra. Charlotte comes out, the heel in this scenario, 
with a huge welcome back chant and lots of woos. She says, man, I love an NXT woo. I've got a lot of respect for you, Belair. You're an amazing athlete, but you are not me. I am me. You and Ripley are both talking about me. Rhea overlooked you to talk about me, and now you're out here talking about you, trying to make what's clearly about me about you. I love it. It's really good. Ripley comes out, and they have this face-off, right? And do you remember... I don't remember what Royal Rumble it was. It was Austin and Triple H, I think. When they when they fought, and every time somebody new came out, they just dispatched of that person and got back to just fighting each other. And every other person that came out just sort of got like shoved out of the way or dead out of the way. And it was clearly like, here's your main eventers, and here's somebody else trying to get into the fray. I think at one point it was Kurt Angle. But, um, you know basically upset that nobody was talking about him. That was Belair. And she tried to stand in the middle of these two. Charlotte, Ripley, the match we're clearly getting at WrestleMania. You are clearly a placeholder challenger. Charlotte just face palms her and pushes her out of the way. And it was brilliant. Because they didn't really say anything at first. They just sort of stared at each other. They let the crowd soak it up and Belair was sort of like there in between looking like a twat. And she just gets pushed out of the way. It's like, okay, the stars are talking. It's fine. It's fine. And she does again what she did a while ago and did tried to pull out the you don't even go here thing. And then she talks some more and whatever, whatever, whatever. And then she tries to talk shit to Charlotte. It's me you're going to be facing at WrestleMania. It's not her. It's me. And and then she tells thing that she's going to beat her in Portland. And it's just, it's just bad. Because it started off with a reference that was already lame. That she's already used. What? Survivor Series time? Charlotte. Charlotte, with the line of the night, turns to Bel Air, says, This is a conversation for champions. You need to get back to your corner and fix your braid. Yes. Absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. And then Ripley, because she's playing the babyface right now, she says, hey, I didn't come to your show and disrespect your roster. You're not going to come here and disrespect our roster. Like she's all of a sudden, they've had to script her. Like she's all of a sudden got this respect and all of a sudden got this camaraderie with Bianca Belair. I'm thinking because it's February. Anyways, and they double suplex Charlotte to end the segment. It should have just been... It should have just been that line from Charlotte and then somebody slaps somebody but it wasn't the the segment went about five ten seconds too long we still don't have the answer from charlotte which is fine she's dragging every, she's dragging the crowd along she's dragging the fan the fan base of nxt along she's dragging the nxt women's champion along nxt women's champion along i don't mind that i just I just don't like this whole, here's the match that's definitely going to be awesome. Here's a challenger that feels like she's been orbiting that title for about a year now. I know she hasn't had a lot of, this is the thing about Bianca Belair. I know she hasn't had a lot of one-on-one -on -one title shots. But she has had title shots, and she's never been presented as out of that title picture. Never. So she feels like she's been buzzing around it. Forever, and here's the deal as well. Look at it. Don't look at it as a. It's Bianca Belair, and she annoys the hell out of me. I just want her off my screen. Look at it from a logical point of view. 
Bianca Belair, along with everybody else, got steamrolled by Shayna Baszler. She did have shots against Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler, this dominant champion that plowed through everybody. And nobody, including Bianca Belair, was able to take that title off of her. So why do I believe in a million years that, she's can, that she can take it off the person that took it off Shayna Baszler? So fuck off. When, <clears throat> when I'm saying she's an afterthought, again, I have to be specific before people get upset in the comment section or blast me on Twitter. It's not because I don't ever think she needs to succeed. It's not because I don't think she's a good wrestler. It's not because I don't acknowledge she's a hell of an athlete. But no, I'm sorry. Rhea Ripley is on that uh, that Becky Lynch wave from like a year and a half ago, right now in NXT, and Charlotte Flair is a bigger star than you. That is just the way it is. That is not me being mean, that is not me being cruel, or that is not me being anything-ist. That's just a fact. These are two facts. You are a holdover challenger to get Rhea Ripley, the champion, to WrestleMania to a huge opponent on a huge stage. You are a tripping rock on the road to WrestleMania. And if you don't realize that, and if her fans can't wrap their heads around that, I can't help them. I do not have the proper teaching training to spoon-feed you the logic that says Bianca Belair is a third wheel in the Rhea Ripley-Charlotte Flair story. I, if you can't get that, I can't help you. It's just the way it is. And the, the whole the, the band together, we are NXT backdrop. Now... It's hilarious watching them double backdrop somebody because of the height difference between Bianca Belair and uh, Rhea Ripley as well. Now, the end was a schmoz because the end was the Undisputed Era represented by Cole, Fish, and O'Reilly. Now, why would they leave Roderick Strong out? We'll get there. I promise we'll get there. But it's the three of them versus the three guys that they're respectively going to face at Portland, which is fine. Ciampa is... Sorry, my glasses seem to be all the way tucked up into my hat. That's retarded. If you're listening to me in a podcast form, again, great listening for you, I'm sure. Um, yeah, Dunn and Riddle are facing Fish and O'Reilly, so that makes sense. And Cole is facing Ciampa at Portland, so that makes sense. So those three need to face each other. You could have... Just to mix up the mix a little bit, you could have thrown Roderick Strong in there. to Put Roderick Strong in there and take out one of the tag team. And you could have spiced this up a little bit. But the faces jump the heels on the ramp, which is fine and wonderful. And everybody's in their actual wrestling gear now, so nobody's going to break them up. They brawl. They brawl a lot. They just... I, I have notes, but about halfway through halfway through this match, I just, I just didn't have it in me. To, to keep up with what they were doing, because you've got seven guys, because Roderick Strong was doing laps around the ring, being wherever the referee wasn't to cause a distraction to all this sort of thing. Lots of moonsaults, lots of, lots of stiff striking from everybody. The, the rolling gut wrench suplexes from Riddle, the mud hole stomp, the three or four on one mud hole stomps in the corner on various members of the babyface team. The snap Germans, okay, snap German suplex by Fish, answered by a snap German suplex by Riddle, followed by a snap German suplex by Dunn, followed by an X-plex, was a nice sequence towards the end of the match. Um, finally, Strong jumps into the ring. He's, he's tired of, of interfering on the outside. I've really sort of schmozzed past how this match actually went because my notes for this are shit and I'm not even going to try and read them. But Strong 
uh, not content to be involved on the outside, hops into the ring, and it just becomes an active four-on-three beatdown. So it's thrown out as a disqualification. On the outside, they take out Dunn with the Chasing the Dragon. They take out, they take out Riddle with the high-low, and they get four-on-one on Champa. They've got him beaten down in the center of the ring. Big yellow spray can from, you know, remember, from last week, from the table, in case you forgot. And they do the big yellow X on the back. Adam Cole pulls down the knee. He's about to hit the last shot with the unexpected knee to the surgically repaired neck of Tommaso Ciampa. The storytelling in this moment is really great. And then the lights go out. The lights go out because it's a three on four advantage. Who else has problems with the Undisputed Era? Now for a second, because they've just sort of reunited DIY, I thought Gargano would be out there to help Ciampa. That would be a nice little story. Eventually you could have DIY versus the Broserweights at some point in like a respect thing like they did with Mustache Mountain. But no! No, Spaz. It's February. And, and we need somebody in the main event of, of the show. And it's February. So who fits the February mold? The lights go out and perched on the top turnbuckle and see, see the look on my face. Velveteen Dream. I don't hate Velveteen Dream. I really don't. But this just came off really bad and it's very obvious and the agenda is real. Velveteen Dream comes off the top rope with a clothesline that takes out all four guys and which means all four guys have to have to sort of bunch themselves into like two and two so that each two guys can be taken out by each arm and it was really really just there's all these guys that have that have worked towards putting this together. You got Dunn and and Fish or sorry Dunn and Riddle who have, have gone through the entire story of the Dusty Classic to get this tag team opportunity. And you've got the Undisputed Era, who have spent the past year or so being the most dominant unit, but also the most dominant collection of individual four guys. You've got Tommaso Ciampa, who has got a hell of a story, come through the whole Gargano thing, to face to heel, to face to heel, to coming back to get the title that he never lost. Everybody has done so much and two weeks out, or I should say a week and a half out, the one standing tall as we go to Portland is Velveteen Dream, who's got a weird haircut and tore off his pants, but like, he didn't tear off his pants like, like Angel Garza with the tearaway pants. He did like a, like a Hulk Hogan rip of his pants to reveal more pants. I... I got nothing. And again, I, I like Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream is a, is a five-star match machine, what he wants to be. I'm sure he's going to take on Roderick Strong because he's the only one in the Undisputed Era that has nothing to do at Portland, which is great. He doesn't have a title to defend, which is fine. He injured uh, Velveteen Dream when Velveteen Dream was going after the title that Roderick Strong just lost. So maybe they can call what they're doing a number one contender match. Can you imagine Velveteen Dream versus Keith Lee later on down the line? That's great. This entire, entire show... Uh, there's some things going on here. There's a lot of great wrestling. I'm excited about the women's division, despite Bianca Belair. I'm excited about the the cruiserweight division. I'm excited about the tag team division. 
I don't like that we're getting DiJack versus Lee again. I don't like that DiJack versus Lee again is taking up place on a takeover. I don't like that DiJack and Lee again is a title match. I don't like any of that. Keith Lee, who's awesome, can do something better than fight DiJack again. I don't. I I, I can't not see the Februaryness just just going through this entire episode and I it it's people that I like and it's people that I like in some cases being used in the worst or more most obnoxious ways I want to be happy that Velveteen Dream is back I really do because he's great and he's an element he is an element on this show that when he's not there you feel it and I'm happy for the guy. The guy was injured, and the guy was dealing with whatever he was dealing with. I'm happy for the guy. I want to be... By the time we get to Portland, I will be happy. I promise you guys that. I will talk the hell out of Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong for nothing. <laughs> but, um... The thing that sucks about that, they might throw that on the pre-show now that TakeOvers have pre-shows. Jesus Christ. There's so much good happening, and there's so many things in here that I'm going to be called a bad person for not liking, but you know what? I don't care what the calendar says, and I don't care who I'm supposed to like, and I don't care who I'm not allowed to not like. This was a very exciting on one hand, and, and very frustrating on another hand episode of NXT. Doesn't mean NXT's not great, Cruiserweight division, like I say, is great. Tag team division is starting to exist again, let's be fair. Uh, the women's division is probably, the on NXT, is probably the best thing going in wrestling right now. As I say every week, it's a women's division that they can beat AEW over the head with. <sighs> Conflicted this week, guys. I, I'm probably not as frustrated as I sound in this recording. I'm probably going to look back on this video and be like, eh, I should have calmed down a little bit, that's fine. I I have a lot of questions and a lot of concerns coming out of what is generally still the best brand on television, especially for women's wrestling, let's be real. Anyways, uh, that was a long, long, long ass ramble. Um, if you like what you see, subscribe. Like I say, we do this every Thursday. Uh, starting next week, I should have some more Friday content for you. We got some fantasy booking coming up. We got some pay-per-view previews coming up. We got some other topical videos coming up. They're all in the pipeline. It's just a matter of literally wrapping up the video and the camera dies. So you get a couple more seconds of me just long enough for me to get my shit in. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all these conversations going. Tell me I'm a whack job. Don't be a stranger. I'll talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, I am tagging out. Bye, guys.